Well, hello, uh, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Flying Colors. My name is Steve Webster. I've had the great joy over a 25-year teaching career of being taught by so many of my students, uh, learning from them. Flying Colors is, uh, of course, taken from the age of discovery when ships would leave port and then they would come back in. Uh, having had a successful voyage with all of their flags unfurled. And uh, I have had the great joy over the last few weeks to talk to several of my former students who are now coming back into the port, as you, as it were, of conversation with me to talk about what's going on in their lives. And uh, I am just couldn't be prouder of what I'm hearing, what I'm learning from them again. Uh, we're joined today by uh, Dave Farrier from Forest Grove, Oregon. Is that correct? That's right. Forest Grove, Oregon, uh, rather uh, reddish Forest Grove, Oregon these days. Yes. Eerie, greenish yellow, tinted yeah. by smoke. As we speak, there are fires all across the Western United States, uh, most especially, Dave, California, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Where else? That's what I've heard country? most of. I okay. haven't heard a whole lot about Washington, but I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there were. Uh, I heard this morning that since Monday... We've had more acres burn than would normally burn in a whole fire season. So that's why it's such a disaster is it's all hitting all at once. Yes. I was happy to, I was happy to hear from you earlier that you are safe, that the fires that are near you are at least mostly uh, contained. So that mm-hmm. was good news. I'm glad I was glad to hear that. Yeah. Forest yeah, Grove, it, yeah. Forest Grove, Oregon is about 30 miles west of Portland. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Dave, you are the owner, proprietor, and one of the bakers. Are you the lead baker? Are you the chief baker? What, what, what's, 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 so. yeah, by default. Okay. Yeah. Right. Lead baker. You're, you're the first baker. Product supervisor. Product supervisor. Very good. At Slow Rise Bakehouse. Yes. Uh, that is something that we'll get to eventually, but that is where you currently are located. Very exciting. Yeah. Could not, could almost not be farther away from where I am in the United States. Yeah, almost. You're very far away. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's very nice to see you again, my friend. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. Yeah, it's good to see you too. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, Dave, uh, I met Dave Ferrier at Blackhawk Christian School as I have my other guests these last few weeks. Dave, you are a graduate of Blackhawk class of? Uh, class of 2008. 2008, uh, after which you went on to Grace College and Seminary mm-hmm. and spent some yep. time there. Yeah, I went to Grace College, studied biblical studies, went on through Grace Seminary, uh, got my Master's of Divinity, and promptly got to baking bread right after I graduated. Yes. I love, I love hearing you say that because I, I, always, I always feel like it's a thing that you say and it just makes, I never hear you say it. And I'm like, I always hear you say that you, or you say, you tell that story and I'm just like, well, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what, that's exactly what they're doing. You know, uh-huh. I, had, I had the great privilege, Dave. Uh, I had the great privilege of standing up with Dave and his lovely wife, uh, Meredith. Dave, how long have you been married? In nine days, it'll be six years. My goodness. Uh, yeah. On a lovely sep- September day, I had the, the great privilege of uh, officiating Dave and Meredith's ceremony in a barn in Indiana, and it was spectacular. Yeah, there was a huge thunderstorm going it on was. during the ceremony. It was so great. You could see the lightning flashing through the slats in the old barn. It was. Power went out it, at one point. 
I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Never forget Meredith walking in. You will not either, I, su- I suppose. Meredith walking in to see your roast. That was really amazing. That was an iconic moment for me. Yeah. Uh, Dave and I have shared uh, a very long, a long-standing love of music, a, a, a musical exchange. One of my favorite anecdotes about Dave is that he once played in a coffee shop in Fort Wayne under the moniker of Dave Farrier and the Trustbusters. Right. Uh, your APO's history class at that that's point. correct so uh i mentioned earlier that of course the the moniker flying colors is often used in an academic context when someone is given a test and they pass the test with flying colors and over the years i gave dave several tests and i must say that that was the the default position for dave is that he passed all of my tests with flying colors but dave i'm not talking to you tonight because of those tests that I'm just grateful that, that in your life, I, I watch you on social, social media and uh, you and Meredith. And I'm just so grateful to watch you when we talked uh, that one night downtown Fort Wayne, we met with you and Meredith and we, t- you talked about your dream of mm-hmm. what you were going to do. And uh, it's just such a, a beautiful thing, man, to watch your dreams come true and to watch you be, successful sounds like a crass thing but successful in a true way like in a soul way not in a mm. nothing more than that so i just am really happy for you buddy thank you yeah yeah it's um it's weird to live your dream because mm-hmm. you uh, start living it and realize it's a lot of hard work mm-hmm. it's not always dreamy but you're right but it's good yeah yeah so when we met some years ago and you guys were considering because you guys have been there about five years, is that correct? Just over four years, yeah. Four years, okay. And um, when we met, you uh, you had talked about just, it was really more just, what I remember about that conversation is that you and Meredith were just pursuing a way of living. It wasn't, it yeah. wasn't, really, it wasn't really about a bakery at that point. It was really more about just, we want to live our lives this way. Yeah. And, Tell, maybe share a little bit about what drew you to where you are, like geographically. What was it about Forest Grove? How did you end up there from Indiana? That's where Meredith yeah. is from as well. Meredith is also from Indiana. Yeah. Uh, so, so tell us how you ended up some thousands of miles away on the West Coast. Yeah. Okay. So there are a lot of threads to that. But mm-hmm. shortly after we got married, we were, we were living in uh, Winona Lake, where Grace College is. Yes. Um, and we had. I was working at a restaurant that was working with a farm. And so we started getting involved with this farm, Hawkins Family Farm in North Manchester. Mm-hmm. They're a great farm. I think they supply some restaurants in Fort Wayne. And uh, for a while, they were doing farmer's markets there. Anyway, anyone in the area, I highly recommend them. And they were very involved and still are and committed to a way of agriculture that focuses on a diversity of animals and plants living together. It prioritizes soil health as a way to produce better yields and also produce more a more resilient farm that doesn't need to rely on artificial inputs. And that, as we began to work with them and learn from them, I think sparked something, kind of a, a vision of, I don't know, a vision of like a life well-lived. It just made a lot of sense that when you take care of the soil, the soil will take care of you. One thing that they always said was they wanted to farm the way that nature farms. In nature, you never see a monoculture. Uh, you never see only one thing growing all by itself. And you rarely see plants without animals. 
So that informed a lot of their vision of their farm. Fascinating. Around the same time I started baking bread, just as a hobby, I found this book called Tartine Bread uh, sitting on a friend's countertop. And it's all about the sourdough process or wild yeast, natural fermentation, which tied in a lot to what I was learning about farming and agriculture. What kind of initially captured my imagination about that bread was that you cultivate yeast that is naturally occurring in the air or that grows on the wheat when it grows in the field or it's just on your hands. Um, we're all more aware of airborne microbes these days, mm-hmm. but they're not all bad. Yes, Some indeed. Some are very, very good mm-hmm. and delicious bread. Uh, <laughs> and that, that, again, that simplicity of ingredients that leads to complexity and something sustaining uh, really captured my imagination mm-hmm. that all you need in the end is flour, water, and salt. And you don't always need salt. Um, all you really need is grain and water uh, to sustain life and have bread. Um, studying, as I said before, I went to seminary and was studying to be a pastor, and it all just it all just made sense. Bread from heaven, bread from the air. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Sustenance from the air and the creation, taking care of the creation because it belongs to God. Anyway, so we we were freshly married. I was finishing up seminary. And we were learning all these things. And I was really, really excited about agriculture and bread and not that excited about ministry. But I kept thinking, I'm going to do an internship in my final year. And, you know, that's when it's going to click. Well, I did the infer- internship and it did not click. Mm. And I was doing a lot of kind of hand wringing and soul searching and finally, like, had the courage to say out loud, I don't know if I should do this. And of course, Meredith said, like, yeah, I don't think you should. That's awesome. She, she saw it way before I did. Yeah, they always do. Um, they always do. Yeah, but she kind of helped me give myself permission to not keep going down the path toward ministry just because I had been on that path. I was having a hard time. It's like a sunk cost kind of thing. You know, I've already spent this much time going down this path and, you know, I can't, I can't not keep going down the path now. But she helped me give myself permission to not do that. So I finished my last semester of seminary because I just wanted to finish it, knowing full well I was not going to be a pastor, which actually made it fun. I I could do some more independent studies and not have to pretend like they were going to be immediately practical. (laughs) Um, So in that time, we had visited some friends who lived in Forest Grove, longtime friend of Meredith, who I met in college, um, actually introduced us. Um, They were living in Oregon. Uh, Cause they'd come here for school. Okay. And so we came to forest Grove for about a week just to visit them and um, found a lot of, we came to the farmer's market, found someone who was selling bread that looked just like mine, a lot of like-minded people and these particular friends who were also very like-minded and we knew my graduation date was coming and we didn't uh, necessarily want to live in Warsaw forever, Warsaw Winona Lake. And we thought our jobs are fairly replaceable. We don't have kids it's probably never going to be this easy to move across the country if we want to. Um, so we decided to do it. And uh, that, yeah, that was four and a half years ago. Yeah. That was yeah. a long answer to your question. It's always good to hear it again. I just, I felt from the moment that you told us what you were doing and what you were on about, we had talked a lot along the way, all throughout your seminary. I would see you from time to time. We would, we, we had, we had kept in touch during your time there 
And um, I never, Dave, I never heard you tell me that story. And I, I never heard, there were never any like red flags, never. It always just made perfect sense. And I think that that, that idea that seminary students have to all go into vocational ministry in that way, um, I think is probably really not good for people in yeah. general, uh, that kind of pressure. I, I, I don't know that there's probably not much doubt. There isn't any in my mind that you're in ministry, maybe not the ministry that you imagined six years ago, but that your ministry is every bit as profound as it would otherwise have been. It just looks really, really differently. And I think that's a, a beautiful thing. I hope so. I'm not always conscious of that. I'm not always thinking I'm going to go work at my ministry now. No, no, that, I think that's right. I think that it's just... I'm a little suspicious of people who say that anyway. I think that's fair. Thank you for, for clarifying that. I think what I meant by that was that when you're with people, you mm -hmm. know, ministry is people. Ministry yeah. is caring for people. And so that makes, that's hard for, it's hard. I'm, I, when I care for people day by day, it doesn't always, it's not always going up and to the right. You know, it's just, it's hard because people have, because my life isn't that way. My life isn't, isn't always up and to the right. It's messy. It's, it's all the rest of it. But a ministry in my mind is that you're in community with people. Right. That's important. That's important to you. You're, you're caring for them. You're caring for each other. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's all I meant by that. Yeah, I think that's true. I, 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 it struck me, Dave, as you were t talking again about your about the farm that you were associated with there in Monona Lake, that so many people in the 21st century, to my mind, are entirely disconnected from their food. Like they're mm -hmm. entirely disconnected from how this got to my plate or it got in front of me. And yeah. I think it's I, I think that one of the things I've learned from you over the years is just, again, being reminded uh, of how important that connection is, how important the connection is to what I'm eating and where it came from. Yeah, I'm, I'm still learning a lot. We were just over at, a couple at our church has a, a great little piece of land in the country nearby us up on a hill. And uh, they were showing us around their garden and they said, do you want to see our kiwis? And I thought, of course I do. <laughs> and I thought, you know, it's never occurred to me like to even think about how does a kiwi grow? What does it grow on? I don't even know you could grow them in Oregon. Mm. You can. They grow on a vine. They're cool. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, still learning. And it's that it's that connection of there's this thing that grows out of the ground that I eat and it sustains my life. That is pretty amazing to me. It's all made of yeah. dirt, water, and sunshine. Mm -hmm. It's spiritual. There's a risk very much as it's spiritual in that way that you mentioned earlier that do you remember when we watched Ben Hur in my classes back in the day? Uh-huh. Yeah, of course you do. I'm obsessed with that movie. Anybody who knows me knows that. And there's that remarkable scene early in the movie where they're all sitting around that low table and he prays this prayer that was very common in the first century. And it goes something like, blessed are you God, king of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. That's what the prayer says. Yeah, and I, I've always thought that was really, really interesting how that prayer, and it's an ancient Hebrew prayer, right? That God brings forth bread from the earth. I, I heard I heard echoes of that in what you were saying earlier, and uh, that being yeah. connect being connected in that way to the earth, the earth that God made, the creation that God wants us to steward and to steward well, is mm -hmm. really important. It's important work. It's worth doing. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. We um, we're part of an Episcopal church now, and mm -hmm. a lot of that language is still in the liturgy. 
when we're saying the prayers before Eucharist, uh, um, one line that always sticks out to me is, you know, we bring to you these gifts of bread and wine from your creation. Mm. It's funny, actually, right before COVID, I had started making the bread for our Eucharist service. Mm. Um, Something I had always wanted to do, and then our vicar asked me to do it. And I did it for, I think, two weeks, and then COVID hit, and then we were all remote. But it was a really strange but profound experience to approach the altar, be handed something, and have someone say, the body of Christ, the bread of heaven, that I had just made, you know, the day before. Wow. Wow. And it, at at first I thought, well, this kind of cheapens it a little bit. Mm. But then the more I thought about it, I was thinking, okay, well, the way I make bread takes two or three days. And so I thought, where was I two days ago? You know, what frame of mind was I in? Um, It's likely that I was stressed out because I had, a million things to do and timers going off. And at that point in time, it might've been four in the morning. You know, it's, it's likely I wasn't in the most reverent, worshipful state of mind. But then to have this thing that is really part of my everyday transformed into something uh, significant and holy. It struck me that it's such a, a picture of what God does with us. Mm. Um, and what we go to communion or Eucharist to... Yeah remember and receive and dwell on is the transformation of us, you know, in the present and our hope in the future, transforming our everyday moments into something more significant and holy. One of the things, yes. One of the things that I think I, you, 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 you recognize it. It was, it was, we were down the road quite a ways and you recognize that I haven't, I haven't taken the elements in a long time, you know, because it was for a lot of churches, it was months, you know, it was months between when they had had their last service with around his table. uh, And it was months before we did it again. And I just, you realize, I think that the churches that we're all represented in come at that sacrament in different ways. But I think that, that one of the things I love most about it is it's very important there not to not to to be very serious as you approach it in the best way and just missing that missing his you know well, i love that the the passage from corinthians day where paul says for as long as you drink this bread and you eat this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes mm-hmm. and i whenever i administer the sacraments i always say that verse and i always say it with joy you know eucharist of course means to give thanks yeah. And I think that we miss that. And so, and so when the, the practice of thankfulness, the practice of uh, engaging in that, even that little act of creation uh, is a, is a beautiful thing. Did you approach make, did you approach making that bread differently than you approach making your other breads or did you approach it much the same way? That's the other thing. It wasn't a special loaf of bread. It was mm. one just taken out from the larger about that. Saturday blocks. Yeah. You weren't yeah, leaving. Again, you weren't leaving in haste from Egypt or anything like that. You, there was it didn't. It had time to to rise, if you will. Yes, slowly. Yes. Okay, slowly. Kind of, exactly. I had to ask the priest. I said, "I don't know the rules." You know, I, I grew up in Blackhawk, <laughs> right? Right. And in the evangelical world, where in some ways there aren't as many rules, and so I said, "What are the rules? Can it be leavened?" Because we were mm-hmm. using wafers, you know, and I. 
you know, do I need to make this in a certain way? And uh, I don't know. Leaven, leavening is fine. It's great. Yeah. Maybe not during certain holidays. I don't know. But. Well, yeah, I, I was I, I was just wondering. I have I certainly have no conviction about that. I was just wondering yeah. if how how you approached it. Um, right. When we when we had a conversation, uh, we've talked over the years. We had we had a lovely time a few years ago around a book from Eugene Peterson uh, yeah. for a few weeks. That was that was lovely. You uh, Eugene Peterson no longer with us, but I find myself returning to his work often, uh, especially. I've done a lot of work. I, I told you earlier that I've been doing some coursework at Biola and a lot of it has turned to spiritual theology. And that was of course his field. And uh, I've just been really, I, I didn't know how much I needed it until I was in the middle, in the middle of those things. Yeah. In the middle, in the middle of uh, a prolonged season of isolation and of interruption. One of the authors that we've talked about a lot, Dave is Wendell Berry. Uh, Wendell Berry has been, would you say that he is still an important voice for you in your life or are there other voices that um, have for us for you? Yeah, he is. I haven't read anything from him in a little while, um, mm -hmm. but all of these foundational ideas around agriculture and the kind of life I aspire to live, you know, are kind of summed up really well by him, especially an essay he wrote called uh, Christianity and the Survival of Creation. Mm in which he basically makes the case that Christians need to be concerned with taking care of the world, that it's not a weirdo liberal thing. It is a responsibility of human beings, according to uh, Christian theology. And he has a few great passages about the importance of good, uh, good Christian art in that and creating good art as a way of taking care of the world. But it's, I mean, it's mainly focused on agriculture and he blends very practical things about agricultural methodology with more profound ideas, which is kind of his, his uh, wheelhouse. Yes, indeed. But that, that, yeah, Christianity and the survival of creation, especially that essay um, really just kind of took all the pieces for me and locked them in. Um, I wrote a, I, I did an independent study in my final semester of seminary on the idea of Christianity and care of creation and um, discovered it doing research for that. And it just summarized so much. There was also a book called Living with Other Creatures. And it was more of a theology book. I forget who wrote it, but I came across that and it was also very good. Yes. I remember, remember you mentioned that book to me before, Living with Other Creatures. That sounds familiar to me. Yeah. Again, basically making the case that God is an artist and he made this whole place and uh, we can't just act like it doesn't matter mm. because it does matter. Are you familiar with an artist named Makito Fujimura? I don't think so. He, uh, he was commissioned some years ago on the 400th anniversary of the King James Bible to do these remarkable works of art. Mm -hmm. And they were, the, the main one was called the four Holy Gospels. And uh, you should look him up. It's, he, he makes this paint that's made from this particular uh, substance that only grows on the mountains in Japan. It only grows, the, you can only, wow. only make this paint from the certain kind of mountains in Japan. And so he's a world-class artist and he, and he has always imagined his art in exactly the way that you just described. He talks about cultured care. If you look up Makito Fujimura, culture care, that's his, the thing that he's been settled on the last few years versus culture, the culture warring that we often see 
mm-hmm. he has really gone the way of culture care and art is right in the middle of how we, we care for our culture, how we care for each other mm-hmm. and how we care for God's creation. That's uh, beautifully said. Whenever I read, whenever I read Wendell Berry, I, I, it all comes together for me, for you. Uh, I really feel like I understand you better when I read him. That's mm-hmm. always fun. Uh, yeah. He has been coming to mind a lot lately. His poem, "The Piece of Wild Things." Yes, absolutely. I know yeah. we've talked about it before, but one of my favorites. You know, in this in this year that just doesn't quit, I, I keep thinking of the line: "I come into the piece of wild things who do not tax their life with forethought of grief." And that's wow. I tax my life a lot. <laughs> yes, uh, the forethought of grief feels like a very ready companion these days. Yeah. yeah. Dave, I am uh, massively grateful for you. Um, I'm grateful for the time that you have taken this evening to to just kind of share a little bit about uh, your story. You can find Slow Rise Bakehouse on the internet. Uh, I did earlier today. It was very fun to read about that. Lovely picture with you and your wife. Where is the picture on the website taken? There's It looks like it's by the water and there's a large rock formation coming up behind you. Where is that picture um, taken? picture of me and Meredith? Yes. Uh, that I think that one was taken at Oceanside, our favorite place to go on the beach. It sounds that sounds exactly like where it would it would have been, but it's a great picture. And um, Dave, uh, it's good to catch up with you, my friend. I'm very grateful. I have said this many times over the past few weeks, and I'll say it in the most older brothery way I can that I'm just proud of you. I I don't want that to be condescending. Uh, it always feels a little bit kind of sending. I don't mean, I don't mean that I, I really am early. I'm proud of you. Uh, I'm grateful for your story. I'm grateful for the way that you have uh, in an ongoing way, been a teacher to me in my life. I want just want to thank you again for the encouragement that you've been to me even this evening. Uh, it's it, as, it, as you said, it's tough out there, you know, 2020, it's just tough out there. There's a lot going on. Um, I'm grateful for the ways that when I talk to you, I just feel better. I always just feel better when I talk to you. So well, uh, it's, you. it's good yeah. to hear. Yes, it's true. It's always been true. And uh, I wish you and Meredith nothing but the best. Please tell her I said hello. And uh, I'm sure that we'll talk again very soon. Grateful for your time. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. But 